Um, that too loud? Um, I need to do a gentle, Dada. More gentle? It's hard, though, to do it gentle, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, what's this? Especially if you're a big caveman like me. This is the Everyman Podcast. Welcome. We're on episode 74. That was my son, Duke. He is exactly two and a half years old. And as I put this on the podcast, I recognize how stereotypically obsessive I am about my kids. The whole joke about parents only being able to talk about their kids. It's just simply true. All you listeners, you can check me on it. You know, if it's enough with the kid already, I'll hear that feedback. Uh, It is, however, quite appropriate to share at the head of this episode. And also just checking back in on this whole Everyman project from the very beginning. And I have a story I like to share, which is that when Duke was born, just two and a half years ago, it's like he came with a letter. And the letter said, hey, Dan. You know that thing that you were basically training to do your whole life, that idea that you had, this passion that you have, this vision, this thing, that this everyman thing? I didn't know it was called that at the time. He's like, well, dude, you got to do it now because now you got a boy and your boy's going to grow up. And when your boy grows, grows up, uh, you know, maybe you should do what you can so that the, the world's healthy for him and he's healthy for the world and it's this big reciprocal, positive, moving, cultural shift toward the better for health and wellness and goodness. And I, I do think about it. I think about the world and how rapidly it's accelerating. And I think about myself, you know, I was his age in 1985. And I don't have enough of a clear memory of those early days, but I can look back at pictures and my goodness, did things seem way simpler. Maybe that's not true. I don't know. And it's pretty much impossible to fast forward in the future and imagine the world when Duke's an adult. But I do think that we all have an impact on what that will be. And that's what this podcast is all about. And in terms of having an impact on the future, one of our main offerings at Everyman are our weekend experiences, our weekend retreats. And our initial offering, this is what we started with, and this is still our flagship event. It's called the Open Source. And it's a weekend where 40 to 50 men come together and we have fun and we go to very honest and very deep places. We get connected to ourselves. We get connected to other guys. And we have an experience of what true connection amongst men in a very positive and supportive and challenging way actually looks like and feels like. And we get outside and we eat some good food And one of our intentions is that everybody has a life-changing experience. And, you know, I got a humble brag for a second that that generally tends to happen. You know, not sometimes dramatically, sometimes less dramatically, but it's working. It's definitely working. So if you're called to this, if you're interested in this, our next retreat is March 8th through 10th in Logan, Ohio. And this is a nice central location We have men that are flying, you know, cross-country, cross-continent, even internationally to come to our retreats. Ohio is one of those that is finding itself to be convenient to travel to from a lot of places. we got guys driving up from Alabama, potentially. We might have a busload of guys from Chicago there. There's folks from New York who are making it out there. The retreat center is called Cedar Grove Retreat Center, 
it looks really badass. We have some of our leadership that's from Ohio. And actually, this is especially exciting to share. This open source is going to be led. The primary leaders are Aaron Blaine and Dan McCombie, who are two of the most important members of our team and who are stepping up to fill this role. And to this date, it's been Sasha Lewis and myself and Owen Marcus that have been the primary leaders of our open sources. And this is this is a growing up move for us. I'm going to be there. We're all going to be there. But Aaron and Dan are going to step up and lead this sucker. And it is super, super exciting. So I would love to see you there. I would love to hang out with you for a weekend. And I'd love to share what we do with you. All in the intention of this future world. And honestly, and I'm not exaggerating here, but every moment I do this, my son is in the back of my head. He's in the back of my heart. And there's, and now I got two sons. So it's, it's doubly strong. And uh, that's what this is all about. It's about individual change. It's about individual growth. And it's actually just about the simple, natural maturation process of becoming who you are and growing up. And so we all come together for a weekend and we all have our own course of growth and everybody's going to have their own different experience. And uh, all right, so enough of that. March 8th to 10th is in Ohio. And then the next one after that is back on the East Coast. That's April 5th through 7th in Sheffield, Massachusetts at Racebrook Lodge. It's very accessible from New York City and Boston and the whole Northeast area. And there's a lot of transportation options. And this is going to be probably about our 10th retreat at Racebrook. It's a special place to me and us. Love to see you there. And then also announcing a another West Coast open source. And this is going to be in May. And you can find it on our website. This is going to be at 29 Palms Inn outside Joshua Tree, California. This is our second time we're doing a retreat there. This is just an hour or so from my house. We'll get out into Joshua Tree National Park. And again, you're invited. You got three options if you're interested. So we got Ohio, we got Massachusetts, and we have Joshua Tree, California. You can see all this at everyman.com, E-V-R-Y-M-A-N.com. Also invite you to quickly follow us on social media, on Instagram, Facebook. Okay, to our podcast this week. Our guest, his name is Timothy Winger, and he has a project that he calls The Man Effect. And my favorite part of this podcast, well, I have several favorite parts, but what I want to highlight first is about the 15-minute mark once we start talking. Timothy has a a theory or an idea that our fathers can really only offer us about 20% of what we need in terms of mentorship, in terms of leadership, in terms of education, and I was, I'm just lit up by this concept, and I've had my own version of this for a long time. When I was in my 20s, what I was obsessed with was this idea of mentorship. And there's a book I still want to write one day, and it's a memoir where I map out my life based on the current mentor that I had. And so my first mentor was Michael Armbrust, lovingly known as Master Mike, and he was my Taekwondo instructor. It was just this really easy, natural relationship that I learned so much from. And my second mentor was John Wiersma. He was my boss on a pig farm. Uh, One of the next mentors I really think about was Jim Belote. He was an anthropology professor at college. And I went on a wild adventure with him to Ecuador. And I went on a program studying abroad to Europe for a year with him and his wife. And on and on and on, these relationships 
that just really honestly shaped me into who I've been and who I am today. So that's just one of the many things we get into on this podcast. The Man Effect is a really cool project where Timothy is writing and he's taking pictures of men and he's asking people what being a man, what does it mean to be a man? He's asking them to answer it in one question. So why don't you do that as we start this podcast? Ask yourself, come up with one word to you that answers the question, what does it mean to be a man? Good luck with that one. I think it's a great project. Timothy's a great guy. And I very much appreciate your engagement here. I hope you enjoy the show. And please reach out with your feedback, share this with other people, and have a wonderful week. Let's start with it's helpful for me to know where you are. Tell me where you are physically right now. And is it Tim or Timothy? What do you go by? Uh, I prefer to go by Timothy, but I'm, I answer to Tim, too. It's not a big deal. Um, I'm well, geogra- geographically... What's that? Timothy, where are you? <laughs> I'm geographically located right now in Kansas City, Missouri, but I've been living in uh, Belgrade, Serbia for the last few months. I'm just traveling right now for some family uh, stuff. How is it pronounced in in Serbia? I can't imagine it's Belgrade. Is it... No. It's like Belgrade or something. I don't know. I slaughter it. Belgrade. Yeah. yeah. There's, a, there's a Belgrade, Montana that uh, is right outside Bozeman. I just... Really? Bozeman for three and a half years. Yeah. The, the, it's kind of... It's not a suburb. Bozeman isn't big enough for... Belgrade is its own town, uh, but it's where the airport is, the the Yellowstone International Airport. And no way. It was always interesting. I had no idea. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna have to look that up. Yeah. All right. So Timothy, so uh, I am excited. Uh, well, first of all, I appreciate you reaching out. I, I, I like it. I don't think I've shared this yet, but um, I want you to tell us a little bit about yourself. But what we're going to mostly be talking about is your project, which is called the man effect, right? Correct. The man yeah. effect. And E F F E C T effect. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And, um, I just I want to share so a little bit of a story before we dive in, and that is that I, you know, I've been uh, passionate and I'm slightly obsessed about uh, the whole project behind Every Man for a long time. And mm. when it was, I, you know, what I got to do, I got to sit down and do a calendar of year by year of my life because. I, so much has happened that I don't know what happened what year. So, uh, but I lived in Northern Idaho on the Montana border and I met, uh, Owen Marcus, who's my, you know, one of my closest friends and my mentor and, and, uh, one of the co-founders of every man. And he and I met each other and got together and just started like obsessively, not obsessively, but passionately like creating stuff and envisioning stuff. And one of the things was a uh, a project where we were going to go around and randomly interview men about mm. what, it, what it meant to be a man. And That's I awesome. actually, you know, did a couple little adventures where I shot some stuff and we started putting together a website and then I promptly let it go. It didn't go anywhere. Uh-huh. Uh, but when I watched your, or when I looked at your project, I'm like, there it is. <laughs> you did it. That's amazing. <laughs> so, so why don't you, um, why don't you start with that? Tell us about the project itself and what the point is. And, and then we'll kind of back into your story and why you're doing this. So mm-hmm. tell us about it first. 
Okay, so the Manifest is a uh, photography and blog-based project that was all started on the foundations of one question, which was, if you were to describe what it means to be a man in one word, what would it be and why? And uh, I, when I formulated that question, I was just like, I'm just going to ask a ton of people this, and then I'm going to take their portrait after I get their answer. And hmm. so... I sent out to take tons of photos and I started this in um, 2014. And so the first couple of years, I really pumped out quite a few photos um, and, I, and just asked everyone this question. Like how, how many is quite a few? I'm, I think I'm over 300 now. Okay. I should, like you were saying, I should probably go back and document and have an actual number, but I, I, I'm, I'm pretty sure I'm close to 400 people at this point. A, a running spreadsheet would be pretty sweet to see like I know the names or location or age you know basic demographic stuff that's exactly what I'm going to go back and do that's because I want the whole point of uh documenting I took people's name age you know all mm -hmm. that stuff because I wanted to be able to go back and look at the data after yeah. years of doing it and so yeah. I do need to do my due diligence and put it in a spreadsheet I, I'll just have to find a couple uh good podcasts to listen to while I do that I guess <laughs> <laughs> you could listen to you could listen to people speak and do that kind of that kind of work. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Oh absolutely. gosh, not me, man. That that kind of blows my mind. I, <laughs> impressive. But yeah, so I mean, I, I I just I wanted to become a better photographer, and I wanted an excuse to talk to people, and I was obsessed with masculinity because I was in my young like middle to early twenties, and no one was telling me what it really meant to be a man, hmm. and and so I was just like. I'm doing this. And so I just dug my teeth in and I started it and um, it's been a really fun journey up until this point. Good for you, man. That's, that's like, all right, now I want to hear more about you. Where'd you come from? What's your background? Mm. Um, tell me more about that. Yeah. So I was, I was born in Wisconsin, but I was raised in Pennsylvania and Minnesota. I thought so. You look like you're from Wisconsin and Minnesota. I, so I went to high school and college in Minnesota. I grew oh, up no in North Dakota, Minnesota. I thought so. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't know it, but I saw your face, and I'm like, something. 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 Yeah. You look like something. For sure. <laughs> you look like a Midwesterner. <laughs> no, yeah. So when, when I turned 18, I, I moved out. Uh, right away <laughs> and I moved um, quite a, to quite a few different places I lived in Tennessee uh, Arizona uh, South Dakota um, can't uh, Missouri and then wait, 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 wait. you don't get to fast forward past Minnesota where in Minnesota did you live oh yeah so I, I, I spent 13 years of my life in uh, Mankato Minnesota really yeah, yeah. Interesting. which is central Minnesota for people who don't know. It's cornfields and more cornfields. So yeah, my parents are more in central Minnesota now too. So. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Well, okay, keep going. Now you can. Now you can keep going. No, yeah, yeah. So um, for so th the next five years after I graduated, I, I moved all over, and then. I, I was in California for a couple of years and then I finally moved back to Kansas city, Missouri when I was 21 or 22, I think. And then I lived there for five and a half years, dug my feet in and got established in an industry. I became an electrical contractor. Um, I was mm -hmm. working, working with my brother when I started with him 
it was him and myself. He owned the company. And then when I left five and a half years later, we had about 50 electricians and uh, uh, had grown the business significantly. Um, and so that was, that was uh, a very, it was a good blessing to be a part of and just to be able to learn from all those growing pains and human issues. Damn. So you're just kind of wired as an entrepreneur, huh? You, you, oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Wow. So in your early twenties, you grew a business and had 50 electricians under you or in your business? Yeah. Well, so it was my brother's business, but I was, his, I was his right hand man. And, nice. and so I was forced into a lot of manager type roles and mm. My brother is very entrepreneurial, and I'm much more um, project-based. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so even though there's a lot of frustration and uh, agitation, let's just say, between us, we did get stuff done. And mm-hmm. he would start things, and I would finish them. And then, So, I mean, getting thrown in, I'm, I mean, my, I remember one of my first, like, really stressful times was he went on a trip for 10 days, and we were doing this, you know, it was a $50,000 job. It was the biggest we had done yet. And I had never read a blueprint in my life Mm. and he was gone and they were about to have an inspection and put the sheetrock up. And I had to figure out how to, how to read a blueprint, (laughs) (laughs) you know? Yeah. So that was, that was interesting. Um, I have a story like that. I had to become a lifeguard uh, for a job that I got and I didn't know how to swim. Oh my God. That's amazing. <laughs> so I uh, I practiced and I learned how to swim and I became a lifeguard. So. Yeah. But little things like that along the way have shown me like I have the ability to learn and to overcome. It might suck in the moment, but mm-hmm. like it will make me a better man and I just need to push through, you know? So. Nice. Cool. So you have, you have something of a, well, I don't make any assumptions, but a blue collar background. Would you say that? Absolutely. Yeah. And that's my mentality too, for sure. Yeah. yeah. Oh yeah. So, so I think, you know, I don't think it's weird anymore, but I think five years ago, I, that would have struck me even more to say, okay, what's, what's a dude, you know, from the Midwest with a blue collar background doing, uh, taking pictures of men and asking them what masculinity is. Right. I think that's yeah. a, that's a cool, um, I don't know. It's a, it's a cool jump. That's interesting. So tell me, yeah, tell me about your interest there your curiosity you said already that you know you were in your young mid-20s and just had questions and didn't know where to go for answers is there anything more than that like what what was your relationship to this subject matter before that I mean how did they come about you know uh, I think uh, I come across as a passionate individual all the time generally when I care about something Mm -hmm. if I'm talking about it I care about it that's pretty much about it and so people perceive me as passionate but when 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 I was hitting my early 20s and I really just like I have a great father but um his his father died when he was 13 and so there's a lot of um things that he just doesn't know nor nor do I think any father should be expected to fulfill every role in a son's life um and Wait, so good great so let's not speed past that that's that's I agree with that I think that's really important let's Let's, mm. I don't know, let's, let's break that apart a little bit. What, what do you, what do you mean there? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I look at my needs of a father figure, like a pie chart. Right. And, mm. and so there's a hundred percent of need that I have and yeah. I, and I need to know what they are. So that's different for every guy. You know, you might need intellectual support. You might, might need emotional support or, or what a physical support. Like it's just different for every guy. Yeah. But 
you have to realize that your father can probably only fulfill 10 to 20% of that. Um, right. And you have to amazing. Yeah. I've never put a number on it, but yeah, sure. Keep going. Let's let's say hypothetically, right. Yeah, of course. And and, and so, so if, if you realize and have your expectations adjusted appropriately, that your father can only really, he can really like, he can really only teach you how to fix your car and how to be a good worker. Those are great, great skills and things to have. Yeah. But okay. So that's great. So you have that part of your pie chart filled out. Mm. Now you need to go and you need to find books, podcasts, mentors, whatever, yeah. coaches to fulfill the other needs that you have. And um, that's really well put, man. That's, that's yeah. really, that's really sim- simplified and, uh, and uh, uh, yeah, makes a lot of sense. I, I love that. I've always had that same feeling. And I, I talk about and write about and think about a lot. My, I have like, I can literally map my life out. According mm. to who my mentor is at that time, and mm. what I learned, and what skill set, and what values, and what uh, life skills that came into my life through that. Like my first major one was my Taekwondo instructor, Master Mike, which I have to track down and find and talk to because it's just, yeah, it's time to do it. But um, yeah, that's that's really wild, man. Yeah, so what Master Mike taught me was confidence and just mm. self uh self value valuing myself and yeah right i was like the sh- most shy little meek kid man little mama yeah taekwondo he just like it's huge so that's when, awesome you had did you have mentors as how when did you start to get um other male father figures in your life when did that happen so i i don't um oh. and that's and, and that's what I think a lot of people, a lot of men are like, well, how do I find mentors? You know, like there's this, you join a men's group. That's how there's this, there's this desire. There's this need in every man to have someone care about them mm-hmm. and to give them input. Cause every man is terrified of the things they're facing and they yeah. just want power and they want someone who's done it before them and all that. Well, I mean, I did join men's groups. I didn't feel a lot of fulfillment in them. Got it. Um, I, I mean, they were good. There's some of them were good. Uh, I, I, I did make myself a guinea pig and tried many things, um, where I found a lot of fulfillment was books and yeah. podcasts. Yeah. Um, and, and that's not direct mentorship, but that's digging and, um, nice. and, and, you know, and so I did a good amount of reading. And then in the midst of that, I also did a, like a, it's a men's community, I guess. And uh, it's called the crucible. There's a, that's a Christian version. There's a non-Christian version called mankind project. Yep. Uh, and I was, you know, skeptical of it, but I was like, you know what, I'm just going to try it and who cares. And it was one of the most impactful things I'd done early on. Um, it gave me uh, a vocabulary for where I was at in life and how to um, quantify what I was feeling and why I was feeling it. Um, which was, which was huge. Right. Yeah. And so that's that. And that also opened the doors for some really close friends who had started the journey as well. Mm -hmm. And we were in the same place. We were emoting together. We were growing together. And um, so that was a very powerful tool. And I did that about six years ago, I think. Um, Yeah. Cool. But, but, but no real life in the flesh human living mentors no interesting no. interesting no. are you still I'm, interested in that 
would you still want that? You know, I'm, I'm open to it. Um, but you know, like a great example is mm, like two years ago, someone introduced me to a professional photographer here in Kansas city. Um, you know, maybe it was three years ago and they showed, they showed him my project and he, he agreed to meet with me. And so I, I started up, ended up hanging out with this guy and over the years, I've built a relationship with him mm-hmm. and I wouldn't call it a mentor mentee role, right. but I, but I do ask him questions when I need help. Yeah. And, and he does pick apart my photography and destroy it without, without mercy. Right. You know? right. And it's like, um, so even though it's not a declared certified stamped approved uh, mentor mentee role, um, there are aspects of it that have that nature. Yeah, but okay, so I, I got to pause you there because I actually think that the stamped, approved, spoken about explicit mentorship where I am your mentee, you are my mentor, <laughs> yeah. that's, not the, that's not the normal version. I actually don't think that's the normal definition of a mentorship. None of the mentors in my life until, until my late, late 20s and early 30s, did I ever have any real acknowledgement and never ever did they actually tell me what the fuck to do or like sort of instruct me in life all they did was show up and do their thing alongside me and that to me is the natural mentorship that is uh i don't want to say most powerful but but most humanly normal right like it's yes it's not like i need you to tell me how to do life like it's not that the human it's just like Anyway, I think that's really, I think that's important to say. And I think that's, I think there's a spectrum of explicitness in mentoring relationships, right? Absolutely. I was actually intentionally poking fun at that mentality Mm -hmm. Uh, that you have to meet a guy, you like him and you're like, will you be my mentor? Like, don't ever fucking do that. Like, well, that's okay too. I don't want to say don't ever fucking do that because guys have done it to me. I'm like, you know what? Okay, sure. Really? Oh man, no. Nah, I'm not. I'm not wired that way. Also, I didn't ask if I could swear. I'm sorry. No, you can. Uh, uh, okay, cool. Well, tell uh, me more. That's interesting. Tell me more about the not wired that way. What makes? Why is that so uncomfortable? It's not uncomfortable for me. It's just like you know what? If someone wants, I mean, I, I don't know. It's a fine line in my mind. Like mm-hmm. asking, just going up and randomly asking someone to mentor you is very. Well, uh, randomly, if it's random, sure, right? Yeah. But if you have a, if you have met and you have a resonance, and I don't think there's anything wrong with it. It's like same with like think about it's a relationship, right? So like if yeah. you want a girlfriend, you don't randomly go up to a girl and say, "Be my girlfriend." Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Well, but I mean, some, some guys do. <laughs> but, well, sure, but at yeah. some point, the explicit uh, request. Yeah, happens, you know, so I, I don't I mean, listen, I'm not trying to convince you. But I just want to say, I think about this all the time. And I want to say just in general for guys like it can look like fucking anything you want it to look like. Yeah, be explicit like that. And I think and this goes right to the heart of of every man and, and, and my beliefs and my feelings is that it is there is a big and, I, and I'm going to pick on the blue collar world here a little bit mm-hmm. because I'm from it too. And I'm of it. And like, mm-hmm. there is a, there's this general anti pushing away feeling of explicitness of saying something out loud. There's this like feeling of like, okay, whatever it is, it's true, but, but I'm not going to 
I'm mm-hmm. not going to recognize it. I'm not going to mm-hmm. say it out loud because somehow that's like you're a pussy if you do it or something, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And again, mm-hmm. I'm not laying this on you that that's what you feel. But I, don't feel, yeah. but I do think that there is a, uh, a generalized fear of being explicit and saying things out loud. And Interesting. Honest, yeah, and I, and I think that... Um, I do think that this there is there's some there's some underlying there's a lot of things that go into it but part of it is that guys ultimately think a lot of times that I just got to do this on my own like I really yeah. like like at the end of the day despite whatever my human wiring wants me to do yeah I got it yeah. I got this right yeah and and then there's also just the general vulnerability of of uh, making a request for a deeper relationship with a man that's yeah. So I, I think it, I would agree that if you ha- already have a relationship with the individual, it's nowhere near as yeah. out of col- out of color. And I would find that much more acceptable. Um, so anyway. I, I don't disagree on that point at all. Well, that's interesting. I feel like, I feel like, um, I don't know, we can move on from the mentorship thing, but, but I think that's about it all day. I think <laughs> yeah, we, I'm, sure, I'm sure we could, yeah. I, I would, you know, I just met you, but I would, encourage or even just like gently challenge you to keep the door open to that because mm. the what I mean that's part of what happens in our in every man all the time is that like that human connection when made whether mm. it's a mentor or just a just another man of you know whatever relationship like there's something there that that just simply doesn't happen on your own there is, mm-hmm. there's, there's like mm-hmm. a, there's some layers and some levels that, that happen that just don't, that don't occur. So low. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, amazing. All right. So where, where were we? We were talking about you doing your project and gearing up to it. Oh yeah. 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 In early twenties. Yeah. So, I mean, I was working as an electrician. I was extremely insecure, uh, trying to figure out all this stuff and, started going to men's groups and trying to figure out what my needs were and trying to figure out how to get them met and mm-hmm. all that, all of that stuff. And not just like sexual needs. Cause that's what most people think when they hear needs, I feel like, but it's just like emotional support, intellectual, mm-hmm. like cravings and all that. And so, yeah. So I just started going to those type of groups, reading books and it was just, it was almost like I was getting set up for something. It was kind of fun, you know, like I was mm-hmm. just, I started realizing I really like this topic and I started realizing that no one actually is really answering my questions. Yeah. yeah. You know, and I'm yeah. just getting more and more questions. And a lot of what people say you have to do is just based off assumption and cultural definitions. Like it's not actually factual. And so that gave me a lot of curiosity. Um, and when I get curious, I get obsessed and, and then, so that kind of set me up for where I'm at today. Beautiful. And so explain the project. So you did already, you, you went around, you asked the question. Yeah. If you were to describe what it means to be a man in one word, and then you took a picture of that man with, right? Yeah. So, so I started the project off with just that question. And the first person I interviewed was my dad. And then I interviewed myself and then I burned through all my friends and family. And then I hit the streets. Mm-hmm. Um, and what and were the answer? What were the first answers that you got? My dad used humility. Um, I used uh, authenticity. Um, and then, I mean, it scopes anywhere from honor, strength, 
integrity, um, perseverance. Those are some of the most common words people chose. Safe. Um, yeah, I, w- I would say those are probably some of the most common ones. What were some of the, the least, what were some of the like uh, aberrations? What were some of the ones that didn't fit in the box? Were there any? Have there been? Not, not really. I mean, really? yeah, I, I have one documented, let's say, negative word towards uh, men yeah, from, a, from a woman. Um, I'm, I'm actually going to look it up real quick just to make sure I don't slaughter it. Uh, but I was at this park in uh, Kansas City and this lady wasn't with a group of friends. It was just, it was funny to me. And uh, she chose the word uh, selfish. That's right. Mm. Yeah. And so and I, and I don't, I don't necessarily know. I mean, it's not directly negative either. If that makes sense, it wasn't like misogynist or, you know, asshole, you know, something like that. But yeah. she said, I asked her that question and she said, she said, this is the only word I would use to describe how I feel men can be. Hmm. And I was, I was like, that's fair. I'll document it. Like, yeah. I'm, to- I'm totally okay with that. That's the whole point of this project. Nice. So, and um, so just for you, as you've done this, you know, 300 ish times now, what, what, I mean, I don't know if conclusions is the right word, but what insights have you picked up? Like, what do you feel has been? Yeah. Yeah. Um, the, the biggest observation I've made so far with the data I've collected um, is that in general, people choose attributes or values that would cr- create um, respect or honor for an individual, right? Mm. So, so if a man is integrous that creates respect and honor for him if a man is hardworking, it creates respect and honor for yeah. him in yeah. his community so it, it was very interesting for me to realize a lot of these people picked a male figure in their life who they respected or honored and then they tried to describe them in one word Got almost it. almost every time Got and it. so i kind of like reverse engineered that observation and then I created a second question, a follow-up question that I almost ask everyone now is, who is the manliest person you know and why? Huh. And, I, and I ask person because we are in a fatherless generation. And so some people have answered that it's their mother hmm. because they come from a single family home, you know? Yeah. And, and so, so that was the second question I came up with to kind of just further the interview process and um, expose to the, it was actually intentionally to expose to the interviewed what they were thinking yeah, um, right. and, and let them realize like, Oh wow. Like I literally, the person I was just describing in the first question is the person I chose in the second question. Got it. And Got so it. That, that's been really fun too. Interesting. Oh, it's so fascinating, man. This stuff, this stuff lights me up. Um, do you want to know my word? Yeah, I would love to. Um, and I don't, it, it might just be a phrase. So is that, that's cheating, right? Can't be a phrase. Yeah. I mean, it's technically cheating. It hasn't stopped people in the past, but. Um, everything. Mm. Or all of it. Mm. Um, and why? That's, that's, I love it. Well, I think it's total bullshit. To, to, I, well, not bullshit. Take that. <laughs> I think it's absolutely impossible to define 
an entire uh, biological section of our species. Mm -hmm. Exactly. With, with, with one attribute or value or, or I just think it's like, I mean, it's the kind of thing like, you know, somebody asked me how I'm doing today. <laughs> how are you? I'm like, well, do you have a couple fucking weeks? Yeah. All of it. Right. Yeah. Like, oh, totally. Are you really asking me to, to like pare down and ignore like the entire truth of my life experience in this moment and just pick yeah. one tiny thing that you want to hear? Yeah. It's like, fuck, that's like some weird type of um, experiential like crime. Cause it's just like, I can, it's not necessarily a lie, but it's, it's like such a massive withholding of what's actually real. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, and I do think, I mean, to me, to me, the, the, the only definition I can personally give to what it means to be a man is a descriptive one, which is why I like your, which is why I like your project so much, because you are literally, you're asking the descriptive question of a large swath of men. And, Mm -hmm. you know, and like, I think that I, I, I think that like, it's such a trap to, we can easily fall into a trap of like integrity. Okay. That's, that's, that's it. That's pr- and and then be prescribed <laughs> this way of being, which yeah. is true, right? I agree. Integrity yeah. is a part of like a a good spectrum of human like uh, labeling, right? Like the integrity yeah. is fucking amazing. It's like I, one of my favorite things. I love it. Yeah, yeah. And I just think there's this. It, so it's it it was almost more of a reverse engineering. I like the phrase you just used. It is more reverse engineering. It's like, um. You know, I am a man that has, like, I don't know if it's infinite or not infinite, but I have this wild spectrum of Mm. qualities. And Mm. at this moment, I'm displaying this. Yeah. Right. At this moment, I'm choosing to uh, up my level integrity so that I, you know, have more trust in my relationships and have more success, you know, whatever that is. Yeah. Yeah. uh, So it's hard to encapsulate that in a word. Um, but, but that's, that's the point. Like I realized this, this question is engineered in a way that I wasn't even aware of initially. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's to expose that we live out of a place of assumption as humans mm-hmm. and that being a man is a very, very hard thing to tack down. Yeah. And, and even if I gave you two words or three words or 10 words, you still couldn't do it. No. You know what I'm saying? No, I mean, you give, give me eighty thousand of a book, and that's just the fucking beginning. that's just a snapshot. Exactly, exactly, and, yeah. and and that's and I realize that that's what this question does is it forces yeah. someone to make that realization. Beautiful. Like I don't fucking know what it means, yeah. and I've lived my whole fucking life thinking I knew what it meant to be a man. Mm-hmm. Beautiful. You know what I mean? It is true. It's this weird amorphous. Uh, assumed agreement that the culture has made about, 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 you know, defining characteristics of a wildly huge group of individuals, you know? Yes. Yes. And, and and, and in my observation, that's why toxic masculinity is so triggering for men Hmm. when, when people use that term, because we all live in a different assumption of what it means to be a man. And so when you attribute a negative connotation to it, some men feel extremely threatened by a, a spectrum of positive or negative masculinity. 
because how they quantify it is completely different than the, the person making that statement. And so it, I find it very interesting to observe and to provoke those conversations. I love doing that too. Totally. Yeah. No, I, I just, I, I think the toxic masculinity thing again is um, I actually think masculinity is a, is a tricky word to introduce in general. Right. Yeah. Just, oh yeah. It's like uh I don't, it's like we need to divide it into seven words, like the, like the Eskimos. Is that even true? Eskimos have seven words for snow. I don't even know. I, I have no idea. But um, that type of thing, like we don't, I don't think we have the vocabulary right now. Mm. And actually, this is a project I've been thinking about. I think it would be, um, and maybe, I don't know, maybe we can do this together somehow, but uh, mm. take like to do a project around the word masculinity and have people truly pull out the the qualities that are assumed that goes into it and then just like literally separate them pull them out like like tease them out and write them down and then let's just talk about those instead of that fucking word because like Mm. And what would they be? Let's just, let's play with it. What would, what would the qualities of this assumed agreement of masculinity be? Maybe um, action oriented. Yeah. Um, aggressive, I would say. Sure. Or, 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 dis, or disagree, disagreeable, maybe. Wow. Yeah. Interesting. Or, uh, uh, um, uh, I'm thinking of another one. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like what would creator or builder. Sure. Um, yeah. yeah. Uh, less feeling oriented, right? Less. Yes. Yeah, stoic. Stoic. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's just so again let's just use those as an example. So so that category that they're put in is so fucking confusing. I mm-hmm. think we should just be talking about those specific things and, and just mm. slow the conversation down, pull them apart, tease them out and just like get rid of like what I think we need to do. What I'm, what I'm engaged in is demystifying and clarifying that entire thing because it's, it is easy for, for people who have been hurt to label it as toxic right? Mm, it just, mm. it's, a, it's just, it's just, it's too simple. It's too simplified. It's not complex enough. It's just not a helpful, it just creates polarization. It just creates enmity. It's just, it's yeah, exactly helpful, right. So like if we're saying toxic masculinity, but what you say, what you actually mean is repressed sexuality that's coming out yep. in, in a crass way that gets in my space and hurts me. That's a way fucking different thing. Yeah. Or, or an insecure man who lashes out through anger. Like, exactly. Exactly. Like that's, that's not masculinity. That's some, anyway. Yeah, exactly. Right. But it's, yeah. Yeah. We're just, we're not making enough. uh, We're not giving enough space to the whole thing to, we got to get more specific for one Mm -hmm. thing. We got to get more specific. But, but that, that's probably not going to happen because I feel like they, there's a desire for tribalization and for the atomization of society and to like, to really demean men in some ways. I kind of feel like it's a shit test sometimes. Like, let's see who actually stands up and actually knows what they know and everyone else is just going to like bend over and take it. That's sometimes how I feel like a lot of this aggressiveness is going on. Because I find it really interesting. Some men are very articulate and they're not worried about this. And then some men just bend over. And they're like, they have no backbone. Tell me what you mean by that. 
Well, yeah, I, I'm not sure what you mean by that. <clears throat> oh, so, so like a great example is the classic Jordan Peterson. I don't know if you've seen him yet. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah, and like this man, like I'm not going to say I know everything that he says is right or wrong because he's just beyond my level of uh, academia. <laughs> like he's just a very intelligent person. But I've really appreciated watching him, A, take time to respond to things, and but B, like know what he's talking about. And and when he hears something he disagrees with or he finds flawed, he says it. Mm-hmm. He's like, no, that's flawed. And this is why. And I highly appreciate that. Um, and when it comes to like masculinity and stuff, when I've heard him talk, I just really appreciate that he has a backbone. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then when, when I see other things, I, 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 I don't have a good example of the other side of the spectrum, but I've just watched and read a lot of articles where men are very um, apologetic for the fact that they have a different chromosome than a woman. Um, mm, I and, got it. I got you. I got you. Yeah. And, and, and that's just, I w- I'm not ashamed of who I am. Like, yeah. I know that there's differences, but like to, to be apologetic that I was born the way I am is just, uh, come on. So got it. Yeah. So, so what I hear you saying is the there's, and, and okay. So yeah, interesting. So in a lot of the, what I would say like uh wave of, of men's work and men's community stuff um, pre every man. So maybe let's say 10, 15 years ago, the mm-hmm. phrase you always heard was that there are uh, macho jerks and spineless wimps. That, you know, and what is the middle ground between that? that that's kind of a catchphrase that's been used a ton. Um, hmm. And so I, I don't know if that describes what you're saying, but a, but a little bit, right? Like there's the, the ends of the spectrum where a man is uh, unafraid to be who he is and, and be proud of being a man. And then there's the, yeah. the other side, which is like, I don't know what you want to say. like Just a, a doormat essentially but I, i'm not saying that the, the guy like we'll just go back to jordan peterson he's admitted when he's wrong mm-hmm. if, that, if that makes sense and so it's not like you're this um arrogant guy who has to be right about everything that's not what i'm saying it's just when you know you are right about something or you believe in something like you stand up for it you just don't right don't, just don't bend over so totally so and here's here's what i feel is that again that is you can be both of those two things at exactly the same time oh yeah absolutely you can you can slow the hell down and own the truth of what someone else is saying and be there and see them as a human and love them and stand in your own truth and so and that's you know that's in a sense what some of the basic uh, practice and process we do at every man is that mm. we, we, we make space we make a like a open enough environment and we have tools that we use to yes to go through conflict and actually go through it and that and that's again that's to, to me just this like you're right that people will jump on a band, bandwagon but but what i what i see happening is people polarize onto one side or the other yeah. out, out of a lot of things but part of it is is fear part of it is yeah. a reactionary state of like Oh my God, you're, you're calling me like, you think being a man is, is fucking bad, but I'm a man. It's like, Oh my God, well, I'm going to fucking push back. Right. So Mm. that's possible. Mm -hmm. And that happens. And another man will be like, you know, 
you know, for example, I've shared this on the podcast a bunch, but my, my wife has, has a lot of sexual abuse in her past and she's mm. been raped. And, um, you know, so the me too stuff comes out, like I cannot be an honest person and, and not sit down and take everything she has to fucking say all the way to heart, all the way through. Right. Like, yeah. And I see men, you know, being reactionary to that. And I'm like, okay, I get where you're coming from, dude. And like, you know, maybe sit down with a woman who's, who's been fucking raped right. and yeah. see what's going on. And so there's just so much more going on and we're not taking the time to really explore it and actually fucking <laughs> what other people are going through. So like, yeah, I don't even want to engage in that big talk because it's just not going anywhere. Like if we don't see that it's this giant fucking hamster wheel, we're missing a lot. We're missing a lot. Yeah. Um, yeah. It seems like F is, is right where it's just a bunch of con conjecture. Like, it's just like, let's sure. just sit back and drink our beer and then just try to poke holes in this massive thing that doesn't even matter. Like, I, I don't know. Yeah. It's frustrating. No, to me. no you're right. It is. And, and I think that a lot of just general noise in our culture is happens that way, you know? Mm, yeah. Um, a lot of discussion, a lot of political discussion, a lot of things, you know, and that's, you know, that's interesting too. I haven't really talked about it much on the podcast but there is there is political bifurcation along these lines right like mm. and i have some friends who are most uh interested in using our stuff at everyman to help bridge communities between the red and the blue between the left and the right right like i think yep. um we have that ability we've done it we do it in our in our groups and our retreats right it's not it's not impossible uh but it takes us to to really be willing to shut up and listen and slow. Yeah. Down. Yeah. Oh. That's good. I just, it makes me think of years ago when I was working, I love to throw parties at my house and like what I would do is I would try to invite the most opposite people to my parties as possible. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I would invite my church, all of my church friends. And then I would invite all of my friends who did the drugs and drank a ton. And I would just sit back and watch them have to meld and realize that each other are human. <laughs> and I loved it. It was just so great. And did it work? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, people, people made friends, you know, all of that. You create a good environment for that and it always works. You know, there you so. go. That's beautiful. Beautifully said. I might, I might copy that phrase a hundred times. <laughs> really, you create a good environment for it and it always works. It does. Yeah. Cause humans like each other when it comes down to it. Absolutely. When they see the humanity and are able to relate on some level, yeah. it, it pushes all prejudice aside usually. Exactly. So, yeah. so let's talk about your second question. I'm really curious what you, both what you feel about what you've heard and seen. So who's the manliest person, you know? Yeah. So, um, that question generally, the, the biggest response I've seen is it's either a grandfather or a father, mm -hmm. um, that people are talking about. And, um, I, I, I kind of expected that. And most people are actually ashamed of having to answer the question like that. They're like, well, I'm going to choose the classic person, my father. And it's kind of funny to me that, that, that there's kind of shame around that. But uh, yeah. I mean, that's the reality. Like a lot of these people, the most impactful or manliest person they know is their father or yeah. their grandfather. Yeah. And like, there's nothing wrong with that. <laughs> and yeah. so um, I've, I've just, I've heard some really incredible stories that, I, I couldn't regurgitate off the top of my head, but it's just been very fun to hear about the great men of the earth mm -hmm. and who are unknown. And uh, I've, I've really appreciated that part too of the journey. 
God, my so. head is spinning, man. That's such a great question. I would love to put together like a, like a, like a A B, like either or, like which who is manlier, and do like historical and and <laughs> analysis. Yes, oh, dude, like like yes. you know, so, let's do, break this down. Spiritual analytical physical right. like let's see what they do professional like right like the pope or donald trump right or like yeah you know we could get real that'd be so fun barack obama or donald trump that'd right? be that'd be crazy the rock or i don't know the rock's gonna <laughs> the rock's gonna win so robert downey jr or something yeah yeah sure um jesus or gandhi Right? Yeah, dude. Like oh, Muhammad or Jesus. Uh, yeah, or, or, or Martin Martin Luther King or Bonaparte or Napoleon Bonaparte. <laughs> dude, that would be that would be fucking amazing to to really do that. Like, all right, so if somebody's listening that wants to do like a gender studies project, like this, yeah, seriously, happen because we could. You could yeah. learn so much from that. Yeah, you, know? you could. Like, Oh my God. You know what? And if somebody wants to make like a, a, a internet meme shit, you do that. And then you do your own. Actually, this is something we've thought about doing like an internet quiz. Like what's your mm. man score? Right. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Which yeah. again is like an interesting proposition because in order to do that, you have to come up with, um, you know, a set of qualities to measure yes. yourself against. Right. Yes. So, yes. Yeah. Yep. That's so interesting. You know, what's really cool is a couple of months ago, I started an uh, open survey on my website, the masculinity survey, right? It takes maybe a minute or two. And I ask, you know, does healthy masculinity exist? Does toxic masculinity exist? And, you know, just like 10 questions. I've had close to 600 people take it now or maybe more. And nice. it is so fun to like, mm. what white heterosexual males believe this but like white non-heterosexual males believe this and yeah. then educated people think this and non-educated people think this, like I have it broken down and I can analyze it in so many different ways. And yes, it's not academically perfect, but it creates a great conversation. I will, I'll share so that with fun. our community. Cause I'd love to, I'd love to help you promote. Oh, that. I'd really love that. Thank you. Awesome. So what's your answer? Who's the manliest man? Oh, I mean, it's my father for yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, I've just watched him push through and persevere in life in t so many ways that I would have, I would have given up, you know, mm. like being broke, immersed in debt, your car breaks down and you're like fixing it in the rain by yourself. Like, mm. it's just like so insane. The stuff that I've watched my dad have to do and just, I don't know how he's made it to this point. Yeah. Uh, you know? And so just, and I mean like the classic things, like he's a vet. He got shot, you know, that kind of stuff's cool too, but sure, sure. Um, it's yeah. not as, I don't know. So, but yeah, that's interesting. I'm trying to answer it myself. Um, I think I have two answers and I'm going to go with my dad first. And here's, here's the wild shit about this is that um, six, six months ago, I would probably never have answered that. Really? But um, you know, Actually, there's a, we I did a podcast with him that kind of goes all in this, but but he and I have had a complete reorganization uh, of our relationship in the past. Wow. And uh, and now really, awesome. now now he's my go-to. Really, that's he's the first guy that comes in. Like he, um, you know, and my 
I think my base qualities for how I would measure that have, have definitely changed too. Mm, Yeah. Um, Oh yeah. We could talk about everything you just said there for like 10 hours, like diving into how important our relationships are and being and interacting and then how our perceptions change and grow as we change and grow as men. Totally. It's a moving target. We're moving targets. Oh my gosh. Yes. But here is, here's, so here's, if I had to define it for me, if I had to define one thing, uh, and here's what I would, what I'd like to put into the world is that the degree to which you're willing to be yourself Mm. unabashedly, Mm. not hiding your truth, you know, open that is, that Mm. is what I now hold as what it, the only measure I could ever come up with at this point about being a man. Right. Mm. And uh, my dad has just taken a step to, to do that all the way and to just be himself after a long time of not. And after a long time of holding stuff back and um, as I work with men, that is the one quality that I, I can't help but admire more than anything else. Mm. You know, just he's him. And mm. the other answer to that would be my, my buddy, Aaron, Aaron Blaine. He's been on the podcast a few times. Um, you know, he is, he's a return. He's a, he was just in the special army special forces for, you know, had a 14 year military career. And, um, in terms of just, you know, someone I would trust both in the woods, you know, if we're yeah. in that country together, yeah. if something was going down in life or you yeah. know, some scary shit going on, um, he's, he's, he's your, uh, what's that called? The, uh, the, the prep, he's your prep guy that you're going to, if anything goes wrong, you're going to grab him. He's, he's your backup. <laughs> I mean, he's just, he's just one of the most capable, if not the most capable, you know, he's just insanely capable and strong mm. and brave and you know all that and here's the and he is more deeply open with his inner world and his feelings than any human that i've probably ever met mm. that's he, awesome oh my god he's got you know he's got it all and men sense this about mm. him right men know it like i even get jealous sometimes like I've never seen anybody uh, like, like draw the admiration of other men like Aaron Blaine. Like he just, Mm. he's got that thing and it's fucking beautiful. Mm. Um, And Mm. so, yeah, is he the manliest man I know? I mean, one of them for damn sure. And, and it's interesting. I like, I also could make a case for a hell of a lot of the guys on our, on our retreats. Right. So I, Mm. I love the dudes that come in that, that aren't classically manly, right? Mm-hmm. That that yeah. like, we had this we had this moment on a on a uh, expedition last year, and I think you'd be absolutely cool with me sharing it. But my buddy John Morrow, he's been on a podcast too. Mm-hmm. You know, somebody kind of challenged him, like, "Say it with your balls," you know, like you know, like, "Come on, give us give us some like aggressiveness." And he's like, "You know what? That actually just doesn't work for me." And I'm gonna say it how I say it, and you know, fuck you, and this is it. And it was just like. <laughs> I love it. That's fucking it, man. That's as I love it. That's as like admirable as I can ever come up with, you know? Yeah. It's like Yeah, that's awesome. So it's that. It's just being you. Like mm-hmm. what's true for that to me, I don't know. You know, maybe maybe that'll change for me too. But it it seems to be uh I haven't found a whole lot of holes to poke in that yet. Yeah. Yeah. 
So that's that's cool. Mm-hmm. Good stuff, man. Yeah. Well, we're probably not that we're running out of time, but we're getting close to the end of the time. What else, man? Is there anything else that you? I I don't got anything off the top of my head. Um, nice. Well, tell us where to find your stuff. I'm I'm really excited to share what you're doing. Yeah. Yeah. So. Uh, my website is just the man effect.com. It's mm-hmm. pretty straightforward. Um, you can find uh, the Facebook page as well. The man effect. Uh, I post probably once a week on there. Um, and I, I have an Instagram. I don't always update it, but it's there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and, um, but I've been doing a lot of like, uh, videos lately as well interviews and so i'm on i'm starting to build a youtube channel as well so um but yeah so that's pretty much it i spend most of my time building the website though so there's lots of content on there you could spend i don't even know how many hours looking through all the interviews and Mm -hmm. um, um, articles and whatnot so and you live in serbia we didn't even talk about that (laughs) yeah i i do live in serbia currently that's that's correct that's insane. I love that. It, it is insane. I bought a one-way ticket, and it was terrifying, but I did wow. it, and it was fun. So. Wow. I've been to Croatia, and I've been to Slovenia. No way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In college. Actually, that's a great story. So when I was in high school, I was fucking obsessed with Brooke Burke from um, a show on E! called Wild On. Okay. This woman that traveled around and like partied like internationally. And I think she kind of became the, um, I actually think I married my wife cause she kind of looks like her. Ah, it all that's comes like, out. That's not the only reason, baby. I love you. Um, <laughs> but I was obsessed with her. I'd like the biggest fucking crush on this celebrity woman forever. And she mm. went one episode, she went to Dubrovnik and she went to this bar that was like a secret bar on the outside of the city wall, like the big, you know, um, middle, I don't know what you mean, like castle wall that surrounds Dubrovnik. Yeah. Like I am going there. I'm like one day, I don't know. I was probably 15 or 16. I don't remember where I was. I'm like, <laughs> I'm fucking going there. So, um, my sophomore year of college, I lived in England for a year and studied in England and no way. Yeah. I took, awesome. took the time to, backpack all over Europe and that was my I was like my spot man I'm like I'm going there and my buddy Peter and I and Steve went there and oh my god magic we almost got jumped well we kind of did get jumped but we jumped a fence to get out of there anyway it was fucking awesome oh my god (laughs) that's great all right man well this has been great this has been a great conversation and um, let's stay in touch. And I, and the, yeah. And uh, yeah, man, good luck getting back to Serbia. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, man. <laughs> Bye. Bye. Okay. So we're just going to record very briefly, bud. So here's what I want you to say. Can you say, thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Have a great week. Have a great week. And uh, we'll go break on three. Ready? One, two, three. Break! Break!